well, hey, we've completed week two, which is actually segment three of our 30-day stay-at-home Ignatian retreat. And some of you might be staying here and say, what in the world is a stay-at-home Ignatian retreat? So there's a guy named Ignatius about 500 years ago who created a template for helping people kind of really get grounded before they would launch out into ministry. And here's a, a thing. It's kind of the, the way, we, it's not new with us, but what we try to be around here is this, contemplative activists. What that means, we live a life of contemplation. We live a life, that means a life focused on being in the presence of the Lord, right? So that's what Ignatius was doing. So he would say, he said, 30 days in silence, couldn't talk, 30 days in silence, and they would go through what he called his five weeks at a preparatory time and then five weeks. And it wasn't actually weeks, it was five periods of time. And so we're taking that and we're not all going away for 30 days. We're staying at home, so it's an at-home retreat. But we're using his template, 500-year-old historic template, to the print, used consistently for 500 years to walk ourselves through the, through the process that he laid out um, so that we can be ready, our contemplative life, to be launched out into being people who make a difference in the world. Activists, meaning we're active involved in, in kingdom ministry. And so this we figured, January is a time, let's, let's, let's just get ourselves really regrounded, especially in the culture we're at right now, regrounded, spend time. And so we've been using Ignatius's template. So we've finished the third period of it, but the second week of it. And so last week, week two, I mean, and Pastor uh, Paul did a great job of last minute having to pinch hit, um, and I was out with COVID, you know, and uh, so he had to take my notes and rework them and, and do it, and he did a great job of doing it, so thank you. And so last week, what we did is we, week two, we meandered through the life of Jesus from the beginning of his birth until his time of his arrest. And our goal, so what Ignatius does is, the, the first is kind of preparatory time, the, the, the first time called First Principles. And then we do week one um, was about the public life of Jesus. Week two uh, was about the, I'm sorry, week, week two is about the public life of Jesus. And we um, meander through what did Jesus live his life like? What was his life like in the Gospels? And the goal was to look at Jesus' ordinary life, look beneath or behind the miracles and see how did he live his life really and then say, God, those character traits, those ways he act, we know that that's the model for us. Holy Spirit, help us to become more like that. So we spent the whole week meandering and saying, what could be as we looked at the public life of Jesus from his birth um, until his arrest? Now for today, as we enter into week three, today we have that same desire of, of walking with Jesus through a period of time in his life and seeing what can we learn as we look at his life. What can be, what can the Holy Spirit do in our lives to help us become more like Jesus? And this week, instead of looking at the public life of Jesus, what comes after his public life would be his suffering and his death. And so we're going to spend the week meandering through the scriptures and looking at Jesus' suffering and death. And we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to help us become more like Jesus in our sufferings and our deaths. And we have many, if you're honest, I can make kind of a joke about it, we have many sufferings and deaths. So who experienced a suffering and a death last night that ended at about 10.15? Anybody have a, a slight, something inside of you a little bit died last night? Too early. Too early. Died too early. They were gone too soon. 
You know, that's what we say, you know, when somebody dies young, well, the Packers were gone too soon. Um, but, you know, that might be a funny thing, but our lives are faced with all kinds of sufferings and deaths. And, and, um, and so we're going we're gonna to invite the Holy Spirit to help us to, to learn about that. And I was thinking about this, and honestly, and I don't mean this in any way to stir up any, any pain, I want this to be positive. Honestly, what we're going to do is we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to help us become a little bit more like, like Robin Brunkwall. And we just have gone through the painful time of watching our beloved sister in our church, Robin, pass away. But there's something that she left for us that fits perfectly with this. That Robin, more than any person I've ever known in my life, walked through suffering well. And she helped all of us learn from that. We all had the same question. How can you go through all the pain and all the suffering you do and be such a positive person? And we all learn from her. Most of us know that, that what Robin did, this, this amazing friend and, and lady and Dave's wife, is that, that, that she walked through this suffering and she embraced her suffering. For years she allowed God to use it to make her into a better person, to make her really more like Jesus. And I've talked to her about it so many times about her suffering. And she understood what Ignatius is wanting us to discover this week. And it's this. That suffering isn't something to seek out. Something wrong about us if we want to suffer. But rather, it's not something to run from. It's not something to think means suffering does not equate that God is not with you. Suffering does not equate that, that somehow you're out of step with the will of God. Rather, suffering, when surrendered to the Lord, can be an avenue, I think, of the greatest growth in our life. You know, we say it this way. In your life, you don't usually grow too much in the mountaintop experiences. You grow in the valleys. That's what Robin Toos taught me. And she taught a bunch of you. That we can learn to suffer like Jesus. As we look at Scripture, we discover how Jesus suffered. We can learn to suffer like Jesus. And I'd say this. We can learn to suffer with Jesus in order for us to identify with Jesus so that we can become more like Jesus. So suffering can be a pathway to freedom and growth. That's not very normally American culture right there. But that's historic church culture, historic Christianity understanding this. So really what we're going to do today and this week is we are going to desire what the Apostle Paul said was his greatest desire. In Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul wrote this. It says that I may know him, Jesus, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death so that, or in order that, I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. You see, Paul knew that walking with Jesus was not only about knowing the power of his resurrection, and that's the stuff we like to focus on, right? Right? The healings, the, the blessings, the deliverance, the help. We love that. And it's all, that's, that's being with Jesus. We love it. But also that walking with Jesus was also about being, Paul got this, being conformed to his sufferings and his death. And walking through suffering the way that Jesus walked through suffering. And we can see how Jesus did it as we take time to meander through the scriptures and see what he did. Now, let's be honest. Let's be honest with ourselves today. Talking about suffering and death isn't something we usually like to spend a lot of time on. 
I've had numerous times in my life where I talk about death and dying and different things, kind of just, I just do it regularly, and people will say, why do you do that? Why do you talk about death? Stop talking about death. And I've heard it more times than I can count. But there's a reason for it. Because it's going to happen. It's real. And, and we try to avoid it in our culture. Matter of fact, I think we live in the culture that probably tries to, harder more than any other culture in all of the world, to avoid experiencing suffering in, of any type and to avoid at all times thinking about death. Those things just don't fit with our, our goals of pleasure and security and fun and ease. And who doesn't want pleasure, security, fun, and ease? I want those. But Paul and Ignatius and Jesus understood that suffering and death are part of the human life. And they want us to understand that it's not something to be avoided. It's something we can grow and learn through. In fact, Paul said this. He welcomed, he said, the fellowship of Jesus' sufferings. He said, I want to be in fellowship with Jesus. I want to suffer with and like Jesus. Why? Because he knew the benefit and the blessing of doing that. He knew the character formation that comes from walking through suffering when we surrender it up to Jesus. And we say, God, how can I become more like you? He knew the, the connection that with Jesus that can be developed. Remember I told you the story, it was actually at Robin's funeral, where I said one of the times she was in her worst pain, and I looked her in the eye, and I shared this story at, at, at her funeral, where I said, Robin, can you honestly tell me right now Jesus is anywhere? Because I, honestly, I walked in the room and I was mad. I'm like, I'm praying for this lady over and over, and she's supposed to be healed. And she said, oh, Pastor Mark, I couldn't make it one moment. I couldn't make it a day without Jesus. He's more real to me now than ever. That's what Ignatius wants us to experience. That's what the Apostle Paul, who suffered a lot, understood. As he went through all his sufferings, and just read about the sufferings of the Apostle Paul, he's the same guy who said this, I want to know the Paul's resurrection, but the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to the death of Jesus. I want to be like Jesus in these things. So today and this week, we're going to spend our time dwelling on the suffering and death of Jesus. And you're just going to have to settle up front even though that's not something that we usually want to do and think is fun, settle up front that this is going to be beneficial for us as we do it. And like the previous weeks and, and next week, which is our last week, Ignatius offers us a way to focus in on what we want to, to experience or, or spend our energy thinking about in the weeks. And it's what he's called the, the grace of seek. And, and they're in the, the booklet that we provided for you, and I know a bunch of you have picked up, it's online, and it's also in printed form, it's out in the, the connection area, that booklet, it's every day or every week, the, the grace I seek for that week is put in there, and so this week, this is how Ignatius describes the grace we seek as we focus on the suffering and death of Christ, the passion and death of Christ. He says, Lord, my desire is to experience what you went through in your passion. Help me to see and feel. So he's saying experience it. Invite the Holy Spirit to help it go from here to here. Lord, give me also a heightened sense of sorrow. And this is so outside of our thinking. A heightened sense of sorrow and regret and confusion. Saying, how could this possibly be? Because you are going to your passion, your suffering, your death 
for my sins. So help us have this, this sense of almost confusion, like, and how could this be? And Lord, give me such a compassion for you that I also suffer as I meditate through your passion and death. And it's kind of this idea of where a parent says, when, uh, um, when, when you give us, if you, can I say this anymore? If you spank your child and you go, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you, it's kind of the same thought. This idea of when your kid hurts, you hurt. And he's saying this, Lord, give me such a compassion for you that I also suffer as I meditate through your passion and death. And, and, uh, and again, you can find the, the text in the, in the booklet that we've provided for you and also online with the guidance and the, and the, and the uh, um, grace I seek listed. So as we can see, Ignatian wants us to experience the reality of Jesus' suffering death as much as possible. And this is important for us because I think it's so easy for us to just acknowledge that Jesus suffered and died. We say something like this. Yeah, it's part of the story. I read the gospel and it simply says this. It always shocks me when I read the gospel and it says, and he was crucified. A couple of words, and he was crucified. You know, they were nailing nails through his hands and his feet and hanging him up to, to suffocate and stabbing a spear in his side, you know. Um, I think the magnitude and the impact of God himself coming to earth as one of us with all our limitations and willingly humbling himself and yielding himself to crucifixion um, and to all the suffering and humiliation that went on with that, that sometimes we diminish in our minds because we just read it and they crucified him. We diminish the agony that he went through and the, and the horror that he experienced on our behalf. That Jesus' suffering and death were horrific. And, and what Ignatius is saying, and I think he's right, is we need to somehow feel that by living into it for this week. And it affects, so it affects how we understand his love for us and how we then choose to live in response to his love. So the question is, how should we live in light of what Jesus has done for us? Well, Ignatius says this. He wants us to consider this. To be about his death, to be serious about this. And this is what I want for us today and this week. That we take time to experience and appreciate what Jesus went through for each and every person in the world, that he really did suffer and die for us. And I want us to consider how does this, a serious thought, a whole week of honestly meandering through this, a serious attention to Jesus' suffering and death affect our lives going forward, because everything for Ignatius is about, you're not looking back, we're looking forward, what could be in my life? So what I want to do today is I want to give us three ways that I see how a serious contemplation of Jesus' suffering and death could affect our lives right now, okay? So number one is this, honestly spending time doing this, as uncomfortable as it is, will make us more conscious of the seriousness of our own sin. You see, contrary to what our society is trying to tell us today, sin is a big deal. Sin is the reason for all the pain and the loss and division and destruction in the world. It's so confusing to me when people have things go wrong in their life and they, get, they say this, I'm, I'm mad at God. How did God allow that? God didn't. 
It's the result of sin. All suffering and pain and loss and division and destruction in the world today is the result of sin in the world. If everybody lived as God intended for all people to live, there would be no pain and loss and division and destruction if we all lived like Jesus lived. But we all live not like Jesus lived. We are corrupted and we have the influence of sin. So our world, including humankind, was created to live in sinlessness. That's how God created it in the beginning. Love ruled in the garden. Death didn't exist. Pain and suffering were non-existent. But then enter sin. Satan tempting the first couple to reject God and his ways and to follow him in his ways. Sin, rejecting God's ways, rejecting God's best, comes. And since that day, death and pain have ruled in the world. But yet we live in a world where sin is all over and we so easily excuse sin, especially our own. But friends, it was sin that led God himself to give himself for us on the cross. Jesus died and had all the horrors of the crucifixion because of sin. Jesus died to set us free from the domination of sin and death. And if there had never been any sin, if we had never sinned, then Jesus never would have had to suffer the terrible death that he willingly submitted to. So this week, as we think about this, we come to this conclusion, sin is serious. It cost Jesus his life. You know, Peter expressed this truth when he wrote this. It's in 1 Peter chapter 1. He wrote this. Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, you were not from sin, but with precious blood, as of a lamb unblenished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Redeemed from sin by the blood of Jesus, by the death of Christ. That's seriousness. That's serious. How did God, what did God have to do to redeem me from sin? He had to die. So we can contemplate the serious, the suffering and death of Jesus today and this week. The first thing that is happening, hopefully, is that we realize the seriousness of sin in our lives and in the world. And then going forward, it says, I don't want to participate in that anymore. So that's the first thing that I think we get with a serious contemplation of, of the suffering and death of Christ. And the next thing that comes from contemplating Jesus' suffering is this. Number two, it makes us more grateful for what Jesus has done for us. When we consider that we were all eternally lost and all condemned by sin and death, but that Jesus set us free through his suffering and death and his resurrection, that should fill our hearts with gratitude. And I want you to think of it this way. We're all like a certain character in the Bible, really. And I believe the reason this character is included in the Bible, because it kind of seems out of place, is because God wants to show us um, what he's done for us. And I'd say this, we're all like... Barabbas. Grab your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 23. Let me explain what I mean. We're all like Barabbas. Here Jesus is being examined by Pilate in this chapter. Examined by Pilate. um, And Pilate wants to release Jesus because he can't find any sin in him. Let's start reading in verse 15. In the, when he's talking about this examination. So Pilate's talking and he says, no, verse 15, nor has Herod, so Herod also examined Jesus, didn't find any fault, 
For he sent him back to us, and behold, nothing deserving death has been done by him. Therefore, I will punish him and release him. Now, he was obligated to release to them at the feast one prisoner. But they cried out all together, saying, Away with this man and release for us Barabbas. He was one who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection made in the city and for murder. Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, addressed them again. But they kept um, on calling out, saying, Crucify, crucify him. And he said to them the third time, Why? What evil has this man done? I found nothing in him, no guilt demanding death. Therefore, I will punish him and release him. But they were insistent with loud voices asking that he be crucified. And their voices began to prevail. And Pilate pronounced sentence that their demand be granted. And he released the man they were asking for who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder for Barabbas. But he delivered Jesus to their will, to crucifixion. Here's the truth. We are all like Barabbas. We are all guilty of sin and sentenced to punishment. But like Barabbas, Jesus has taken our place. Jesus was killed and Barabbas was freed. And and in theological terms, a term for that is called substitutionary atonement. It means the guiltless took the punishment for the guilty. That Jesus, the guiltless one, took the punishment for Barabbas, the guilty one. And in theological terms, we understand that applies to all of us. That we have been set free. Our death sentence has been wiped away. Just like Barabbas's, all because of what? Because Jesus chose to suffer and die in our place. So our contemplation of this truth should do what? Thinking that I was sentenced to death and I should die. I'm guilty, like Barabbas. But Jesus comes in and his, he's, he's crucified in place of me. I'm set free. As I contemplate that, what should happen? I believe our hearts should be filled with gratitude. Right? Our hearts should be filled with gratitude. Because we understand that that's what we deserved. But look at what we got. Jesus set us free. So this week our hearts should be overwhelmed with gratitude. What's another result of contemplating Jesus' suffering death? Well, not only do our hearts be filled with gratitude, not only does we see sin as serious, but it gives us an example to follow as we go through suffering. This week you are invited to spend time dwelling in the gospel accounts of Jesus' suffering and death. And as you do, I encourage you to notice how Jesus suffered and reacted. His example is there in Scripture um, for us to learn from. Remember, it's God's will and God's plan that we are continually formed into the image of Jesus And this idea of suffering, this is an area in life where Jesus gives us an amazing example of what can be, how you can walk through suffering in a way different than the world around us. What I want to do just in closing here is I want us to look at a few examples and see what is revealed about how Jesus navigated suffering and say, what can I learn from that? Just two short examples. First of all, turn your Bible to Luke 22, and I I chose some that are right by the text you're in right now, so you just got to flip a page back. Look at Luke 22. We'll start, first of all, a little longer section, starting in verse 39. And I want you to pay attention. What could we learn about how Jesus suffered? Verse 39, it says, And he came out and proceeded as was his custom to the Mount of Olives, that's Jesus, and his disciples were following him. And when he arrived at the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them what a stone's throw, and he knelt down and he began to pray. 
saying this, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him, and being in agony, he was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. And when he arose from prayer, he came to the disciples, and he found them sleeping from sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Now, what do we see about how Jesus suffered here? Going through one, probably the worst period of time in his entire life, he's in such agony that he literally, his capillaries burst because of anguish, and he, his sweat is mingled with blood, and he sweats drop of blood. What do we learn about how Jesus went through that time? Look at verse 42. What's he say? The most, some of the most amazing words ever written in Scripture. Yet not my will be done but yours. Not my will, but yours be done, Father. That's what he's saying. God, I know I don't want to do this, but I'm willing to walk through it. Not my will, but yours be done. How could Jesus do that? What do we learn from Jesus about how he suffered? Here's what we learned. Jesus knew his loving Heavenly Father. He called him Abba. He knew his loving Heavenly Father. He knew his love for him was unending. So Jesus could say in his most difficult hour in his life to his father, I know I can follow your will, even if it means I have to suffer. Because he had that he trusted in the Lord. He was basically saying this, Father, I know this suffering has a purpose. He's saying, Father, I know I can trust you even though I don't understand what I'm walking through. Have you ever been there? I'm going through it and I just don't understand why. He's saying, Father, I know you, your God is not in question. And that's what I see us do so often when something goes wrong and suffering comes. We question the love of God. Jesus explains here, he expresses here, he never questioned the love of God. Not my will, but thine be done. He could only do that because he knew his loving Abba Father. He said, it is your will, God, so I know your will has to be good. It's like saying, Father, I know your will is always best. That's what we see here, how Jesus suffered. Just imagine, friends, how our suffering changes if we were to walk through it the way Jesus walks through it. It would make all the difference. When things don't make sense and things are, you're being mistreated, Jesus was totally mistreated. He didn't deserve any of it. He had given everything until they killed him still. In his darkest hour, he could say, Father, but not my will be done but yours. He was saying, God, I know this suffering has a purpose. I know I can trust you even though I don't understand. I know that your love is not in question. I know your will is always best. Jesus could say that in the moment. And if we would say that in the moment, it would change everything about how we suffered. We don't turn against God. We don't question God. We draw closer to God and say, I need your strength to get through the middle of suffering instead of somehow, God, you've abandoned me. Jesus proved that's not the point at all. Suffering is an opportunity to draw closer to God, Jesus shows. That makes sense? You see what happens if you look beneath the story a little bit? Let's look at one more shorter example. Because this is what I want you to do this week as you're meandering through scriptures about his, about his, about his, his death and suffering. I want, you to, I want you to go through them and say, what can I see in the story? Just like we did last week. What can I see about how Jesus lived his life? What can I see about how he suffered? Because the Holy Spirit wants to reveal these things to your soul so it changes your life as you walk through suffering as I walk through suffering. 
So look at just a little two verses, in, also in chapter 22 of Luke. Look at verses 50 and 51. It says, and one of them struck, so Jesus is being arrested here. So one of them struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus answered and said, stop, no more of this. And he touched his ear and he healed him. So it's going as Jesus has been unjustly, is being unjustly arrested. He'd done nothing wrong, and here they come with swords and clubs, and they're going to arrest him. And one of his followers says, I'll have none of this, and he pulls out his sword, and he goes to defend Jesus, and he lops off the ear of one of the people who's coming to arrest him. And what does Jesus do in the situation? Does he say, that's right, disciples, grab your swords, let's fight? No. He stops his friend, and he takes time to heal the man who's been injured. In the midst of his betrayal and suffering, he saw needs and he gave love. In the midst of the betrayal and suffering, he took time, he saw the needs of those around him, and he gave love to those people. And I just say it to this, wow. Because usually we do the exact opposite. How do we usually act in suffering? We lash out. We attack back. They said this, I say that. They hit me, I hit them. They're rude to me, I'm rude to them. That's the, the human way. That's the fallen way because of sin. But what would the world be like if we suffered like Jesus? We suffered like this. It'd be wonderful. Can you imagine how your family life would be, mom, dad, kids, grandkids, what your family life would be if we treated one another with this kind of grace and this kind of love in times of suffering and stress? Can you imagine, instead of lashing back, instead of treating, somebody treats you poorly, you treat them back, they're rude, you're rude back, instead of acting like that, we'd act like Jesus, who in the midst of the betrayal and the suffering, he saw the needs of the people around him, he took the time to give love. Friends, this week, let's become more like Jesus. Let's invite the Holy That's the Holy Spirit's job in, in, in our lives, one of them, is to help us be formed in Christ-likeness, more like Jesus. So this week, let's do something really hard. It's easy. It's, you, you're going to have to make a decision today because it's so easy to avoid it because our culture doesn't want to think about suffering and death. Let's commit today to spending time this week dwelling in the sufferings and death of Jesus and ask the Holy Spirit to show us what could be in our own lives as we learn to walk through suffering the way Jesus did. There's one other thing I'm going to encourage you to do this week. Because it intensifies this week. And I'm going to invite you to join in, and we mentioned it last week, last couple weeks, to join in some, join in some type of a fast. Give up something that makes you a bit uncomfortable this week. Something that makes you suffer a little bit. And you go, what? Why would I want to do that? Because we're intensifying this idea of what it was like for Jesus to suffer so we can, we can learn through the time. So I'm going to challenge you to do something to do some type of a fast this week. I'm going to fast this week, just a, a water and juice fast. And I'll tell you, as I've known for, for you know, for, what, three months that on this week we're going to do this, we're going to talk about this, I'm already for three months going, I don't want to do it. 
This morning, I'm drinking coffee. God's honest truth. I'm drinking coffee, and I'm going, I like my morning coffee. For the next, this whole next week, I'm not going to drink any coffee. And I was thinking last night, we, we were at, watching a Super Bowl. We had all kinds of food. And I was eating all this great food. And I'm going, oh, next week, I'm not going to eat any food. Now, am I going to starve to death? Am I going to starve to death? No. I've, stopped, I've fasted for 21 days. I didn't starve to death. I'm only doing just this part of this week. I'm just doing Monday through Friday. I'm not going to starve to death. But it's going to make me a bit uncomfortable. It's going to remind me through the week about discomfort and suffering. And that's what it's supposed to do. And so I'm going to invite you to join us for some type of a, of a, of a fast this week. And if you're unfamiliar with fasting, we have fasting and prayer guides out at the connection area that will give you explanations about how you can fast, biblical examples of fasting, guidelines for fasting, different, different types of fasts. Grab one of those. They're also on our website. You can go on the website and, and get that also. And I'm going to challenge you this week. But remember, the word that Ignatius used for this is a serious contemplation. It'd be very easy this week to just let this slide by. Oh yeah, I forgot to really engage in the one about, fa- about suffering. Why? Because it's uncomfortable. The most uncomfortable. Next week's resurrection. Let's all talk, next week we'll all talk about resurrection. That's going to be awesome. But you've got to go through the valley before you get to the mountain. So I'm going to challenge you this week. See, because I am super excited for this week. I think that God has some incredible things that he wants to teach us as we are growing in Christ-likeness together in the area of suffering and death. That seem right? Let's pray together. Father, um, thank you. Thank you that um, we have Scripture that shows us these things and teaches us, and, and you want to reveal through your word um, things for our lives so that we can, we can grow and change and be developed. Thank you for the gift of your word. And Lord, thank you for the gift of, of uh, this Ignatian retreat format that we could use so that it could encourage us in these areas that generally we want to avoid. And, and Lord, I pray this for our whole church family today. God, would you help us this week? This is a topic that we usually choose to avoid, that we usually say, stop talking about that. But Lord, today we want to think about it. We want to, we want to dwell in it. We want to meander through your, your scriptures and, and be confronted by things that are that are different than we live right now. Jesus is going to reveal things. He acts different. He responds differently. You know, they nail him to a cross. They nailed you to the cross, Jesus. And you say the most amazing words, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. God, somebody hits us. We want to punch them back. You, let, you, you submitted. You, you willingly were powerless. Even though you could, have caused, you could have called thousands of angels to rescue. You said that. But you didn't. You, you submitted to powerlessness in your own life. God, these things are so different than we think. And I pray this week you'd change our thinking a bit. That you would change how we see things. That this week, as we spend time in your word, there would be some epiphanies that would happen. Because all of a sudden we'd see things differently when you go, wow, I've never thought of that before. God, please give us those moments that this wouldn't just be an exercise of futility, that, but rather, God, we'd have those moments where we go, wow, I'd be more... Jesus is radically different than I am. And I want to be more like him.
So God, I pray that for every one of us this week that we would take some time seriously to, to look at your death and suffering. And God, it would change us. I want to be changed. I want all of us to be changed. So that we shine in the darkness of this world that's, that's corrupt and doesn't seem to know anything about you, that, that we'll shine as different. You said this, we shine as different. We, we lift you up, you'll draw men to yourself. And that our willingly, our willing submission to you would allow other people to see you and us and that would result in others coming to know you. That's our desire. So help us this week, God. Help us this week, Abba, Father. We trust you. Make us better. Church, is we're in a moment of prayer. Maybe you're here today. You've never even taken a step of becoming more like Jesus. Maybe you're walking, watching online. I know so many of you are today because of all the sickness going around. Maybe you've never really come to the place where you've recognized you even need Jesus. If something is going on in your spirit right now, something deep inside of you is saying, this is what I need. I need the Lord Jesus. I want to give you a chance to respond to what God is doing in your heart. If you've not given your life to Jesus, you can in this quietness of this moment right now, simply in your heart pray like this, Jesus, I need you. My life's a mess. Sin does rule and reign live my own way. But today, I see my need of you. And today, I ask you, Jesus, to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to wash away all the junk, and make me brand new. So today, Jesus, I surrender my life to you, and I want to be your follower. Help me to do that today. Thank you, Jesus. Friends, if you did that today, I'm going to ask you to do something before your head hits the pillow tonight. Tell somebody that you know is a Christian you ask Jesus in your life today. They're going to help you. It's going to help you because it's going to cement it into your heart. It's also going to give somebody somebody else to know that, hey, I want to help walk with you through this time. God loves you. He's welcomed you into his family. Let's stand together this morning. I close by praying benediction over you. Then if you would like to spend time in prayer, spend time in prayer in your chair or down at the, down at the front here at the altar, I would gladly be here to pray with you. Pastor Paul's here to pray with you. When you feel dismissed by the Holy Spirit, then quietly make your way out of the sanctuary. Go hang out with your church family. Be blessed. If you saw somebody in here today you didn't know before they run out the door, introduce yourself to them. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. 
The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you, friends. Have a wonderful day in Jesus. If you want prayer, come and we'll pray with you. Otherwise, have a wonderful day and wonderful week contemplating the death and suffering of Jesus.